my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Mark Moss Show, where we talk about the decentralized revolution. But you already knew that. Well, assuming you tune in each and every week, which, of course, if you're not, then I hope you do. So just if you're not driving, pull out your phone. This thing right here that doesn't leave your side. Put a calendar reminder to be with me each and every time. This time, this channel, uh, each and every week where I'm here, I'm keeping you up to date on what's happening as the world is transitioning from the old into the new. And of course, we look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. So you get this holistic view. Of course, we look at it through the lens of technology, which is what drives change. And of course, that technology is Bitcoin. That's right. We got the mug right here. Um, so we're looking at that. And of course, I like to bring to you some of the latest breaking news each and every week. And that's exactly what we're looking at right now. Some of the big, big stories that happened this week. And of course, well, like uh, like a lot of weeks, all eyes on the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve, we're all watching them to tell us what the fate is, what comes next with our money. And so there's uh, quite a few stories that came out this week that I think are pretty important to look at. Uh, I want to look at uh, the potential attack vectors. Um, you know, uh, Henry Kissinger said that if you control the food, you control the people, you control the money. I'm sorry, control the food, control the people, control the energy, control the continent, control the money, control the world. So that's the three attack vectors. Food, energy, money, food, energy, money, and money is what we're talking about right now today. We talked about energy earlier. If you missed it, check it out on the podcast. Just search Mark Moss Podcast. Um you can find it on the iHeart uh, Radio app. You can find it on uh, iTunes Player. You can find me on YouTube. Just search Mark Moss on YouTube. Or these go up on the Market Disruptors channel. So check out Market Disruptors on YouTube. You can find them there. But one of the stories I saw this week was um, talking about the uh, infamous, the uh, 
well, not much anticipated, maybe much feared, CBDCs. And as I'm talking about the central bank digital currencies, of course, we've talked about them extensively on this channel. Uh, there's something that is coming. It's definitely not an if, it's a when it's coming. We know that like 100 nations in the world are working on central bank digital currencies. We know uh, many nations have already rolled them out, including China has rolled out their central bank digital currencies. And of course, why wouldn't China be one of the very first ones to get it out? Because of what China is, a communist totalitarian regime. We're going to call it out for what it is. Uh, anyone that doesn't like that, I'm sorry. I'm not pro-China. It's a, They are the CCP, the Communist Chinese Party. That's what they are. And so, of course, um, they want to have the great firewall of China and prohibit what people can and cannot do on the Internet, what they can and cannot see. Um, they want to use a social credit score system to control the people on where they can go, how they can move, what they can buy. And, of course, they want the money that basically puts the boat on that package and really helps that authoritarian regime. But, of course, you would expect that in China, but in the United States, in the land of the free the land of the free where we still celebrate our military who fought and died for our freedoms? But apparently, apparently freedom is a dirty word these days. Freedom now must be some fringe right-wing conspiracy thing. Like, who would want a thing such as freedom? But I thought we still celebrated our Veterans Day here in America. As a matter of fact, my grandfather's decorated World War II vet. My father is a Vietnam vet. They risk their lives for freedom, but I want freedom today, and I guess I'm some crazy right-wing nut over that. But I'm not going to take that, and hopefully you aren't either. Is the Fed setting the trap, a recession trap? Is the recession a trap to get us into CBDCs? Well, it's an interesting viewpoint of this article I was reading this week. And, of course, you know that uh, politicians... Uh, want to use every opportunity they can to usher in their agenda. You've heard the saying, never let a crisis go to waste. Um, you know, where the origins of that start are disputed, I don't really know. I think it goes all the way back to World War II. Um, good old Winston Churchill, who was a hero at the time, uh, he was working on forming the United Nations, the UN, and uh, maybe with the benefit of hindsight, I wouldn't call him a hero. Um, I'm not a fan of the United Nations. I'm not a fan of a one-world government or laying down our sovereignty or freedom to anybody. Neither should you be. But I think it was uh, Winston Churchill that first kind of said that never let a crisis go to waste. And really um, what that means is, like I said, anytime there's a crisis, well, let's just use that to our political gain. And I can't blame him. I do the same thing. If there's a crisis, I use a piece of news for my media. <laughs> I might talk about it here to get me more views or something like that. So maybe we all do that. Um, of course, uh, I'm much more harmless. I'm not trying to coerce you into anything. I put information out there. If you want it, you take it. If you don't, don't take it. I'm not trying to force you into that. Uh, one, of the, one of the days when I see, saw the most amount of freedom die, one day it died, and we're talking about 9-11. And under 9-11, of course, it was a, it was a, it was a tragedy. I, I can still remember, I'll never forget, uh, where I was at the exact moment I saw on the TV when that happened. As an American patriot, it hit me hard. Uh, it rallied everybody. I remember, was it Tillman played for the Arizona Cardinals? He quit, becoming, he quit the NFL, professional football career, to go and fight, lay down his life. For what? For freedom. But killed more freedom. As a matter of fact, never let a political, uh, never let never let a crisis go to waste. Um, that brought together what was known as the Patriot Act. And the Patriot Act is what allowed unfettered government access to the private data of citizens and was an unprecedented loss of freedoms for Americans. That's when we got the TSA. If you're not old enough to remember, we didn't used to have to get patted down and frisked to get on an airplane. We didn't used to have to stand in line for hours and hours on time, inconveniencing everybody over that. We didn't have to do that. We didn't have the government spying on every form of communication before that. That was when probably the biggest loss of freedom happened. Died. Of course, other crises, 2008, you know, the great financial crash. Uh, we saw the passing of the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act, which sounds so good. Who, who of course, wouldn't vote for that? Um, but 
you know, then March of 2018, the Senate passed the Economic Growth Re Regulatory Relief and Consumer Protection Act, but it exempted dozens of banks from those regulations. So, you know, rules for thee, not for me. Sort of like when the government mandated that everybody take vaccines, but then exempted themselves from having to take it. Interesting how that works, isn't it? Now, we have another crisis looming, a big one. We have this uh, massive economic crisis, and it's dangerous. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I talk about it each and every week. Of course, I'm talking about the 80-year financial revolution cycle. We're in that right now. The entire financial system is going to be reset. If you haven't caught up on that thesis by now, just check out uh, my main YouTube channel, Mark Moss, and search three cycles. I have a playlist that breaks us all down. And about every 80 years, we see the financial system get reset. And so that's happening. Never let that go to waste. Of course, Klaus Schwab, the head of the World Economic Forum, wrote a book called COVID-19, The Great Reset. It's the name of the book. Never letting a crisis go to waste. Let's use this crisis, uh, man-made or not, and um, turn that into a huge opportunity. But here we have this looming recession, and uh, we just got another bill passed I've been talking about. It's called the Inflation Reduction Act, which, of course, who doesn't want to um, reduce the inflation? But what you have to be aware of is that uh, these these bills typically have the adverse effect. And so this is not going to do anything to fight inflation. As a matter of fact, it's going to increase inflation. But buried in the text of that bill brings back something that keeps resurfacing. And, and ha it came up um, in, the in the first stimulus bills in March of 2020. Um, it got shot down. It came back up again in another stimulus bill. And it popped back up again in an executive order in March of 2022. And it popped back up again in the Inflation Reduction Act bill that just came out again. And it keeps popping up the last two years in each one of these little crises. And they're, they're just trying to sneak it through. What am I talking about? Well, you're going to have to wait a minute to find out. <laughs> you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We talk about the decentralized revolution. Talk about the way the world is changing from the old system to the new system. We look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. Of course, that technology being... Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. And we're talking about this big change, uh, this crisis that's not going to waste, how they're trying to slip this through. And when we come back from a break, I'm going to tell you exactly what they are slipping through in this bill, what this means for us, what the dangers are, what you need to be aware of, and what I think is going to happen. So I got all that and more in a minute when I come back from a break. So don't go away. I'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, 
the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Ma Show. We talk about the decentralized revolution, the way the world is changing through the lens of politics, finance, and technology, and the technology being Bitcoin. Um, and it is changing the world. And of course, today we're talking about a competitor that... Um, we have freedom money. We have the freedom to choose what we want as money. Money communicates value. We used to barter. We don't want money. We want the things that money buys us. I need food. I need shelter. I need energy. I don't need money. But because barter is a very slow and efficient system, medium becomes a medium of exchange that allows us to get what we want very clear, very quickly. But we can use whatever we want as money. Money has been many things throughout many years, many centuries, many decades. And if I wanted to get something from you, I could say, hey, uh, I want this thing from you. Um, I'll give you um, whatever, a thousand bucks. And you're like, nah, I don't want a thousand bucks. I'm like, how about if I give you like a $1,500 iPhone? Will you take that? Nah, I don't want that either. I might say, hey, what if I built you a brand new website and launched a marketing campaign for you? Oh, I'll take that. So then by my labor or my expertise, I'm trading you that, I'm trading you my labor, my expertise for that good that I want, right? Now, you might rather just take dollars because then you can go buy whatever website you want. But you understand, we can trade. We can always trade. We will always trade. Everybody trades. People in prisons, they trade. Currency becomes like cigarettes or things they can get a hold of. Um, in, in elementary or preschool, kids are trading sandwiches for chips, right? Even in communist countries, people are still trading. We're always going to trade what we want. Um, and so if we want to use Bitcoin, then so be it, right? We don't need to use the government's form of money. We can trade whatever we want, but the government doesn't like that. And so what have they been sneaking into this bill? Well, they're sneaking in the pilot program for central bank digital currencies. Uh, we can see that the exact text of the order reads, quote, uh, the order also encourages the Federal Reserve to continue its research, development, and assessment efforts for a U.S. CBDC, including development of a plan for broader U.S. government action in support of their work. This, this effort prioritizes U.S. participation in multi-country experimentation. Hmm. Prioritizes U.S. participation in multi-country experimentation. Not just the United States. Again, no. Laying down our sovereignty. Multi-country experimentation and ensures U.S. leadership internationally to promote CBDC development that is consistent with U.S. priorities and democratic values. End quote. Now, if that doesn't scare you, maybe I should read it again, but I'm not going to read it again. But it should. It should scare you because if they get that carried out, it has a lot of disastrous things, including one, the big thing, um, participation in multi-country experimentation. I don't want the United States laying down its sovereignty. I believe in cooperation, cooperation over coercion. We should work together. I like global trade. Um, I believe that through cooperation, we can take the um, one plus one and equal three or four, um, not coercion, but not at the expense of laying down what's best for our people. Now, if, if you also think about it, it really is laying down the first steps to implementing basically a Chinese social credit score system. Now, I know, I know, I know. That would never happen in the United States, right? The U.S. dollar is the reserve currency, um, right? All these things. But the one thing that you have to keep in mind is that a central bank digital currency is way different than any other cryptocurrency. It's not a cryptocurrency. It's not Bitcoin. 
right? Bitcoin is a um, is a open open source, permissionless, trustless network protocol. What do I mean by that? That means it's transparent. Anybody can see it. Nobody needs permission. Anybody can just get their phone out right now this very second. You can download an app on your phone out of the app store, and you can um, have Bitcoin transferred to you right now. Now, how do you do that with a bank? How do you download Venmo? Well, you download Venmo, but then you have to get a bank account. Well, how do you get a bank account? Well, I got to go to the bank. What does the bank need to give me a bank account? Well, I have to get permission from them to have a bank account. I have to provide all kinds of paperwork, all kinds of documentation, all kinds of proof of who I am, et cetera. If I don't have the right paperwork, if I'm not on the right list, I don't get a bank account. If I don't have a bank account, I don't get Venmo or PayPal or whatever. In order to use PayPal, you have to have permission. As a matter of fact, they revoke people's permission all the time. And in a central bank digital currency, they will do the same thing. Now, half of the adults in the world today have no access to the banking system. Why? Because they don't have permission. They don't have permission to join. And so Bitcoin is the opposite of that. Bitcoin is permissionless. Anyone can download it. Anybody can use it. It's transparent. Anybody can open it up and see how many Bitcoin there are today. I might ask you how many dollars are there in circulation today. And you might reply that you don't know because nobody knows. And we don't know how many the Federal Reserve will create uh, by the end of this week or by the end of the month or by the end of the year or et cetera. Um, and so it is the exact opposite of that. It's a, instead, it's a digital currency controlled by the federal government. Now, they already control currency, right? Obviously, the dollar. The dollar is mostly digital. 80% of transactions done with dollars are done digitally. I don't really carry cash around. I use my debit card or my credit card wherever I go. So we're already kind of there. But central bank digital currencies are something different. Central bank digital currencies are programmable. It's programmable money. So right now, sure, it's digital, and I can run up on my Visa card or through my PayPal Venmo account, and eventually that ties back to my bank account. And sure, the government can get all that data, and they can sift through it, and they can put pictures together. And if, if I was under some sort of investigation, they can easily build that picture. But central bank digital currencies are different because it's programmable. That means they get in front of you. So right now, they could say, hey, this person, well, as they should, right? I believe that we were innocent until proven guilty. So if I was, you know, uh, convicted of a crime or if that was, uh, if I was a suspect or whatever, they could go try to get my records and they could try to put that together. But, but programmable money prevents you from taking actions in the first place while you're still innocent. So what do I mean by that? Um, well, let's see. Well, we want, uh, we want to get rid of gas powered vehicles, ICE as they're called in, 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 in internal combustion engines by 2030. So if you don't uh, buy an electric vehicle by then, then let's just say, oh, no more gas for you. You can't buy gas anymore with your central bank digital currencies. Um, oh, you're only allowed six ounces of red meat. Um, you've gone over your meat allowance, and so now you can't buy any more red meat, right? Uh, nothing good happens after midnight. Um, you can't spend money after midnight. Uh, you shouldn't be smoking, which you shouldn't be, but if you want to, go for it. But the government could say, up. Oh, you can't buy cigarettes anymore or whatever it is. They can do whatever they want. They can build that in algorithmically, programmatically. They could say, hey, you're not saving enough money. We're going to give you a positive interest rate. Hey, you're saving too much. You're hoarding. We're going to tax you with a negative interest rate. Um, you're a minority group or an ethnic group. We're going to give you more money. Oh, you're a white Christian national. We're going to take money out of your account. You can see how this works uh, very quickly. And basically what happens is you wouldn't have the ability to go to the bank and pull your money out and put it under your mattress or put it in your safe and then use cash. There is no cash. There is no money that you can have. Instead, what you have is you have a ledger addition, a credit, if you will. It's like some futuristic movie, right? Like your government gives you a credit. And if you're a good little boy, they give you more credits. And if you're a bad little boy, they take your credits away. But you have no say over that ledger. They just add them and take them as they want. Oh, you're doing really good things for the environment. You get more credits to go fly around the country. Oh, you're, you don't do anything positive. You don't get to fly at all. See how that works? Um, it gets even scarier than that. But I, I don't want to scare you. I want to talk about how we're going to defeat this how we're going to beat this, and how we're going to come out ahead because of it. Because with every, um, everything bad, every, every, uh, everything like that, there's a silver lining, there's, a, there's an opportunity. So we'll talk about that in a minute. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about the way the world is changing, and we're talking about central bank digital currencies right now, how we're going to beat them, how it's going to be our advantage. You don't want to miss what I have to say coming up next, so don't go away. I'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. 
Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Ma Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about the way the world is changing through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. The technology we're talking about right now today is, of course, central bank digital currencies, which are the opposite of Bitcoin. The opposite. Really, they couldn't be more opposite. Bitcoin is permissionless. Central bank digital currencies will be permissioned. You have to show your paperwork and get permission to join that. Uh, Bitcoin is open. Um, anybody can just join the network and start using it. Central bank digital currencies are not. You can't build anything on top of central bank digital currency. Uh, Bitcoin is open and transparent. It's trustless. I don't have to trust it because I can see it. I can hold it. I can hold custody. Central bank digital currencies are trust. I have to trust my government uh, not to take my credits away, not to um, put laws and restrictions on how I can use those credits. It's the exact opposite. It's the antithesis of what that is. Um, and so we're talking about how um, right now we have laws against doing things illegal, as we should, but we're innocent until we're proven guilty. Um, there was a movie with Tom Cruise. It was a minority report. 
and uh, it was about pre-crime. They wanted to like use all this uh, technology and AI to do pre-crime. Hey, we see this guy's about to do a crime, so we're going to go arrest him now, <laughs> um, which is a pretty interesting uh, concept. But again, we're innocent until proven guilty. So we have laws. Like if you use money and you do something illegal, then, then you get punished for doing something illegal. But we don't pre-crime people. But that's what central bank digital currencies want to do. They want to prevent you from doing things that you shouldn't be doing, even things that are not considered illegal. Now, how does this affect you? How does this affect your retirement, your savings, your Social Security, your money, your purchasing power? How does it affect you? Well, um, some of it's going to depend on which side of the aisle you're on. Of course, if you're in this side, if you're on the side of favor with the ruling political party, you're better off. If you're on the opposing side of the ruling political party, it's probably not going to be super good for you, right? Just like in China. Right. If you're in China, that's the same problem that you have today. Um, you say something the government doesn't like. Uh, too bad. Um, you don't get to buy anything. As a matter of fact, we see here, um, per the Wall Street Journal, the official Chinese social credit system incorporates loan repayment, credit card bills, adherence to traffic rules, adherence to family planning limits, and reliability of information posted or reposted online among other factors. In addition to the official inputs, social credit um, incorporates political dissidents, personal values, and online speech into each person's score. Someone's beliefs, political views, and online behavior determine their ability to access services such as insurance and banking, school admissions, internet services, social services, and job eligibility. So, uh, you know, it looks like you're not that good of a father. Oh, it looks like you said something that we don't agree with personally. Oh, looks like you reposted um, a, a funny meme that you thought was funny, but we didn't like it. And so uh, you don't get a plane ticket, a bus ticket. You don't get to buy food. You don't get to go on vacation. You don't get a job. That's per the Wall Street Journal on the social credit, credit system of China. But again, that is, of course, why they want this, but central bank digital currencies, and that's exactly what the government is trying to put in. I, I say it over and over and over. Without the freedom of payments, there is no freedom. That's it. Without the freedom of payments, there is no freedom. We're guaranteed freedoms in the Constitution of the United States, like a guarantee freedom of assembly. But if I can't pay a payment to put gas in my truck or food when I get there, I can't go assemble. I'm guaranteed freedom of, um, of, uh, of freedom of speech. And here I am. I'm speaking freely to you. But if I don't have the money to pay for a camera or to get a computer to go onto YouTube or go online or go on Twitter or print a flyer, or build a website, I don't really have that. I mean, sure, I can stand on the corner and yell at the top of my lungs, but what if I need a bullhorn? I can't even pay to get the bullhorn. You see what I'm saying? I can go on and on, but you get my point. Now, what do we do about this? Now, I'll, if, we, if we go back to a little historical lesson, I know you love my history lessons. Um, gold was money for 5,000 years for basically all of recorded history. When I had my gold, I had my gold. No one disputed that. I had it. I can see it. I held it. If I hand it to you, then you have my gold easy. There's no, there's, no, there's no one in the middle of that. There's no government that needs to censor and tell me whether I should be giving you this gold for this cow or not. The world worked pretty good. But what happened is gold's very slow. Gold failed. Gold requires centralization. So the gold had to go in the bank, and the bank gave me back a gold certificate. I talk about this all the time. I'm going to skip through it pretty quickly. Um, but what happened is they gave me a gold, a, a claim, an IOU. I can go redeem that gold whenever I wanted. But the problem is they printed way too many of them. They didn't actually have all the gold they said they did. Surprise, surprise, that you know humans would try to lie and manipulate. And so then when everybody went to go see, get their gold back and said, hey, we just want the gold, the government of the United States, the land of the free, seized it. They stole it. I said, nope, you can't get your gold. 1933 Act 6102. Nope, we make it illegal. And what we do, and this is the key piece that I want to hit on right here, and what we're doing is we're gonna we're gonna give you your money. Don't worry, we're gonna give you twenty dollars of these US these fake paper certificates. We're gonna give you twenty dollars for every one ounce of gold that we have in the bank, because that's that was the going rate. So people were using these paper dollars, knowing that anytime they can take 20 of them and go redeem an ounce of gold. So when the, when, the, when the banks seized it, when they stole the gold, they said, um, nope, you, you can't get gold anymore from us. And as a matter of fact, you can't own gold anymore. You're not even allowed to own it. But don't worry. We're going to give you 20 of these dollars for that gold. 
But of course, people won the gold. But then here's the key piece. What they did is they turned around and instantly revalued gold to $35. They paid you $20, and then they revalued it $30. See what they did? Not only did they steal your gold, then they devalued your money so you could buy way less goods and services than you did before. Why is that important? Because as the government is trying to sneak these things through, as the government rolls these central bank digital currencies out, what I would expect to happen is something similar. History doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. If I touch the hot stove before and I touch the hot stove again, I'll probably burn my hand again. Maybe not the same finger, but I'm going to burn something. So what happens? Well, this, the government says, hey, all those dollars you have in the bank, um, those aren't like regular dollars anymore. Now they're central bank digital currencies. But don't worry. They're still worth about the same. And then once everybody makes the transition, then they devalue them. And then you lose your purchasing power. But what if, what, I mean, what if you really need that money? What if you're going to make a big purchase? What if you're retired? What are you going to do? Well, you have to protect yourself outside of that. So let's go back to um, 1933. If you had all your gold in the bank and they stole it and then devalued it to, from 20 to $30, you lost like 60% of your money. What if you didn't have any gold in the bank? What if you had all your money on your farm? All your money was in your heads of cattle and your sheep and your goats and your land. Well, when they stole everyone's gold and devalued it, that didn't affect you. You weren't in that system. You weren't playing that game. Your cows were still worth as much. As a matter of fact, your cows were worth more now because they pushed the price up, the inflation. So the way you protect yourself is don't play the game. Don't be in that game. You got to get out. So how do you get out? Well, you get out by one, not holding all your money in the bank. Um, now, right now, we're in a little bit of a dangerous transition. I don't expect this to roll out right away. As a matter of fact, it could be anywhere from 12 months, you know, one to five years before we see something like this roll out. So it's not going to happen tomorrow. Don't freak out. Don't run to your bank right now. But continue to watch this as it accelerates and pay attention because Act 6102, when they seized the gold, it came, well, I wasn't alive. The way I understand history is that it came kind of without warning. I would imagine if you were paying attention, of course, we didn't have the internet and access to news like we do today. There was probably some signs coming up. But we have the benefit of that today. We have the benefit of the news. We have the benefit of the internet today. And we can see it. And as that's coming clear, closer and closer and closer, you want to take advantage. Learn from the mistakes of the past. Do not be stuck in that system. Get your assets out. Go into Bitcoin. I believe that Bitcoin will benefit from this. Because as everybody gets stuck in that closed program, program system, they're going to want to get into a system that the government cannot control. All right, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about the way the world is changing from one system to another system. And it's hard to see the new system when you're stuck in one. But that's why I bring to you the latest breaking news and bring this perspective, looking at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. Um, and if you think that that was bad, central bank digital currencies, wait until I tell you the next part that they're doing. So when we come back, I'm going to talk about this next part. And again, we'll talk about how to protect yourself. So I'll be back with that more in a minute. Don't go away. We are back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. 
I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. If you're new, if you're if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Ma Show. We we talk about the decentralized revolution each and every week. Sorry, I'm laughing. I do these intros so much. Sometimes I forget what I'm saying. So. Uh. <laughs> Uh, bear with me. I, I do it so much because I'm on every channel. If you're not on the other channels checking me out, um, check me out, man. Maybe you like it in a different format. Of course, I'm here on the radio each and every week at the same time, same channel. So put that calendar uh, reminder in your phone. If you don't catch me on the radio, no big deal. I got your back. I'm on the podcast. Just search Mark Moss Podcast on any of your favorite players, the Mark Moss Show, uh, iHeartRadio app, the iTunes app. I'm on YouTube. You can search Mark Moss. I have a channel on YouTube, Mark Moss. I also have my Market Disruptors channel where all of these go on. So check out Market Disruptors. And then, of course, I'm on social media at One Mark Moss. Uh, I will also throw out while I'm at it, uh, my website is also the same, onemarkmoss.com. If you go to my website, you'll see that I just did this big presentation a week ago, and I really broke down um, how I believe the world is changing and what's going to happen over the next two to eight years, so not over the next six months. If you're looking for what to do over the next two to three months, I didn't really cover that. But what's going to happen over the next one, two to eight years, that's what I covered, and I think it's really big. Um, and then I talked about what I'm doing about it, so like what I'm buying, what I'm selling, what I'm doing with my money. Um, and then I went and did a bunch of Q&A and stuff. If you want to catch that, just go to my website, at one Mark Moss, and you can find a link to the replay, and you can watch that. I highly recommend it. Um, just at onemarkmoss.com, and you'll see it on the website. All right, now, uh, before the break, we were talking about um, uh, central bank digital currencies and how big of a deal that is. But we have another attack vector. So if central bank digital currencies and social credit score is an attack on the individual, then we also have over here an attack on the business and the corporation and the entity. And for that attack vector, I'm talking about ESG. You've probably heard the term. I talk about it quite a bit. ESG. Now, it's sort of like a wolf in sheep's clothing, as most of these things are, as all these government plans are. They're all wolves in sheep's clothing. They sound really nice and cuddly, uh, but really they're vicious. And ESG seems, it seems really good. It seems like a positive way to protect the environment, you know, at least on a surface level. But if you, if you dig into it deeper, you realize it's actually a much scarier, much more sinister path to totalitarianism. Now, ESG stands for environmental, social, and governance. And really what it is, it's an approach, it's a, it's a model, it's a way to evaluate companies and countries, right? Not people, uh, but although people will fit into that. But really it's, a, it's to evaluate companies and countries based on their alignment with those three factors, environmental, social, governance. It's been growing in popularity. You know, it's it's been happening more and more. We're starting to see lots and lots of con countries and companies starting to adopt this. And it sounds really good, and it sounds warm and fuzzy, and it makes me feel really good, and I want it um, because most people are good. Most people want a clean environment. Most most people want good social issues. Most people want 
good things for good people. Most people want that. And so it makes it, it pulls on my heartstrings and it makes me want that. But when you peel back, if you look deeper, kind of like uh, the Wizard of Oz, you got to look behind the curtain, you can see that it's not what it's cooked to be. As a matter of fact, it's a sinister plan, right? We want to be good stewards of the planet. We've been called to be good stewards of the planet. I'm in the ocean. I'm in the mountains snowboarding. I'm in the deserts riding my dirt bikes. I, want, I love the environment more than most people. I use the environment more than most people. I want it to be good for my kids and my grandkids and for me. Um, the problem is, is when we start getting these sinister plans that start trying to take it over. And, and what they're doing is they're using ESG as a way to consolidate capital and centrally plan the allocation of resources, which completely destroys the remains of a free market in the process. So what it is, like I said, it's a way to uh, approach and evaluate investments. And again, it's kind of like this social credit system, like the Chinese Communist Party runs, like we talked about with central bank digital currencies. Um, similar to that, like the, like the credit score, it determines, uh, like the, a social credit score determines one individual's ability to get loans or take travel, things like that. This is more about corporations and if they're able to get financing or funding or public services or things like that. All right, so it undermines a corporation's ability to access capital. As a matter of fact, Mark Carney, one of the most influential people in the world, if you don't know who he is, you should, he said that uh, companies that refuse to adopt ESG standards will be, quote, economic roadkill. Economic roadkill. We're going to starve them out. We're going to kill them. They're, they'll never access any money. They'll just die if they don't, if they don't come along. And so it, that, that's exactly what it does. It says, on ESG standard, success is no longer based on delivering products and services to the market that the market would want. Imagine, I mean, who would want that? Instead, on an allegiance to the ruling class. ESG is a return to the monarch uh, monarchical model, allowing an elite few to allocate capital to causes that further enrich them in the name of social good. Now, the best vote we have is voting with our money and our feet. Voting with our money and our feet, which is why I will never live in a in a in a in any area that locks me down as long as there's some place I can go to live free because I vote with my feet and I vote with my money. And so, if uh, when I buy vanilla ice cream instead of chocolate, I'm voting with my money that I like vanilla ice cream. That tells people that make ice cream that they should make more vanilla. If more people like me, then they make more vanilla than they do chocolate. We vote with our money. But what ESG does is it screws that whole thing up because what it's doing is it's taking all this wealth and it's using that against us. It's using your own wealth against you, as a matter of fact. It's weaponized your money to punish you and take away the things you want to give you things you don't want. What do I mean by that? How are they taking your own money and weaponizing it? Well, I'm glad you asked. Well, even if you didn't ask, I'm going to tell you. So have you heard of, uh, have you ever heard of BlackRock before? Right? Have you ever heard of them? I'm sure you have. If you haven't, I don't know where you've been living. You've been living under a, uh, a rock or something like that. So BlackRock is uh, the largest asset manager in the world, like over $10 trillion. You heard of BlackRock. You got the vanguards, you know, State Street, these giant fund managers. So if you have money in a 401k or a mutual fund or your employers has some program for you, I'm sure you have money saved. Hope, hopefully you have money being saved somewhere in one of these types of programs. And most of all that is being done by a fund manager like BlackRock or Straight Street or Vanguard. So BlackRock is the biggest. They're the largest asset manager in the world. They have $10 trillion. It's not their money. It's your money. You've decided not to manage your own money. You've decided to let them manage it for you. Okay? It's your money. You should be using that money to vote the way you want to vote, but instead, you've given it to BlackRock. And now BlackRock will do with, the, with your money what they want. And what do they want? Well, they want to control the world. They want to push an ESG score. They want to force corporations that don't fit their model to be economic roadkill. But what about you? Is that what you want? Do you want the death and destruction of a free market? Do you want um, companies to be benefited for following some trivial model 
that doesn't align on free market principles, like for example, a business, you know, when they provide a good or a service to the market that the market values, that business does better. And if they're very efficient with their capital and they don't have a lot of waste and they make a bigger profit and, and they're rewarded by that, that profit is their scorecard and shows how good they do. That sounds pretty good. If they provide a, a good or value to the market that the market values, they do good and I can invest in that company. But no, that's not ESG. ESG is you either do what we say or your economic roadkill. And they're doing that with your money. And um, unfortunately, we have a model to see how this works. Look no further than, than uh, Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka is a country that just collapsed on a, on a massive scale. Sri Lanka had the best ESG score in the world, a 98.1. That's what a good ESG score gets you. And so when you're investing into companies that have an ES, high ESG score, um, your money through BlackRock is investing in these com companies. And what's going to happen? Well, when you have a 98.1, you collapse like Sri Lanka. Anyway, kind of out of time. Hopefully that makes sense. You can dig deeper on your own. I'm trying to expand your context and give you some curiosity. And you can go dig into these topics on your own. Of course, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We talk about the way the world is changing right before our very eyes as we move from a system of centralization like the Black Rocks and the World Economic Forums, to a system of decentralization being led by Bitcoin. Hopefully you've enjoyed that. Hopefully I've sparked your brain and hopefully you'll go do more research on your own. Let me know on social media at one Mark Moss. And that's what I got for you today. All right, thanks for listening. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.